In the words of Arrested Development, I try to make my sanity with the insane. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. Welcome to episode 157 of the Fat Man Chronicles, FMC Run Chicago Chapter 27. Five weeks to go until the fateful Chicago Marathon 2020, 2020, 2020, 2022. <laughs> I'm Pete. I'm with my buddy Dave, and we are just a couple of middle-aged guys trying to figure this whole thing out. Man, it's been a couple weeks. It has. How you doing, Pete? I don't, I don't know. I'm like a little bit <laughs> not myself. Anytime I feel like I do a long run, like it takes me a day. Yeah. At, at this age, even though the long run wasn't all like relatively that long yesterday. But before we get to all that, we missed last week. So we did. I feel like we gotta we gotta catch up. For once, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. So, I. I I was traveling. Yeah. It's been an amazing week with the utmost sarcasm. So we've got a we've got a two week catch up to do here. Yeah. And we're we're going to let you let you go first. <sighs> I will start out by saying this might have been overall the worst week of with some great moments. This might have been the most stressful week that I can remember in a long time. This la- like this last week. So the yeah, week before and- you were traveling. Yeah, yeah. So starting with Chicago, ending through yesterday has been uh, a mountain of emotions. Uh, I'm going to use the word failure, but it really wasn't a failure. And uh, just like a new era in my life that I never expected and I didn't really know how to handle. And of course we'll go into my big uh, panic attack that I had for the first time. And uh, Farika had an accident. She's fine. I'm sure we'll go into that. So it's just wow. been a really long uh, like week and a half. And uh, today I feel great. Today's uh, 30 day 36 alcohol free. So you know, still a lot of positives. The fact that I made it without a drink over the last week and a half has been good. Uh, Bray and I went to Chicago uh, for the weekend. Um, when was it? Last Friday, I think we got out there. And uh, I had some um, experiences with my mother that we don't need to go in here. But uh, that was a difficult weekend on uh, her and my part, uh, a lot of it on my part. But uh, Bray and I had uh, what I will say is probably the best day we've had together uh, in a long time, just being father-son, no sports, just having a good time, talking, conversing. And uh, we went downtown Chicago 
And uh, we initially were going to take the train because I wanted him to have the whole L experience. And uh, I decided to drive. So we got down early, parked by Millennium Park, went through the whole Millennium Park thing, saw the bean early in the morning. So there was no one there. We watched the, uh, we were amazed at how many active people there were in the morning running and walking in the park. I'm sure a lot of groups were uh, doing some long runs for the marathon. There was yoga in the park, whatever band shell is right by the bean. I don't know if there's still like the original band shell where CSO played, but this was like this massive thing. It was really cool and a very cool um, Art Deco bridge that we walked over and uh, we went to, um, we saw the bean, took some great pictures. We went to Tilt on the 95th floor of the Hancock building, which he loved. I'm terrified of heights. So uh, I did not do Tilt. So he got to go twice. Uh, we walked down the Magnificent Mile, had lunch. We were supposed to do Wendella Architecture Tour. And uh, he's like, I'm not really into this, Dad. Can we go to the zoo? So we walked back, got in the car, spent a good three and a half hours uh, at Lincoln Park Zoo, drove back, had a great um, dinner in Winneka at a place called Spirit Elephant, which um, for us, they had 29 plant-based gluten-free options for him. And it was just like a super modern restaurant, incredible wait staff, very knowledgeable. And for me as an old-time foodie chef, it was really nice to have like that true restaurant experience. And uh, we ate like kings. And uh, overall, Saturday was a great day. I got to see my buddy Heath, who I've known uh, since 1984. And uh, we had brunch together. Uh, Sunday was a big uh, fa uh, family day. So uh, Bray <laughs> spent the, the majority of the day with my mother. And I kind of sat in the hallway for a little bit <laughs> during that experience. <laughs> and... Uh, we saw my sister and niece and nephew for dinner. And uh, then Monday was a travel day nightmare from hell. And we spent uh, 12 hours at O'Hare Airport, four of which were stuck on the runway on the plane, which did not go well. And uh, make a long, longer story kind of shorter. Uh, we finally got on our plane at 9 p.m. They told us it was going to be a four-hour flight. It was a normal flight from Baltimore or Chicago to Baltimore. is like 85 minutes. And uh, the flight attendant said that the first two hours of this flight were going to be uh, extremely turbulent and very bad. And uh, I was already having a kind of a panic attack. And in the middle of boarding the plane, I could not stay on that plane and told Braden to get off the plane. They stopped the boarding process and uh, we got off the plane and I told Braden, I have no idea what to do right now. Like for the first time in my life, and you know, I'm a firefighter paramedic retired. I really was at the weakest, most helpless moment that I've ever felt in my life. And I literally looked at Braden and told him, I have no idea what to do right now, right? Like Southwest uh, was super helpful. They rebooked our flight for the next morning. Um, 
but I really had no idea what to do. Like that's how emotionally I wasn't like hyperventilating or anything. Just mentally, I was helpless. He was awesome. Looked at me, told me it'll be okay. Take a minute. And uh, the first thing I thought of doing was texting my sister who uh, coincidentally had just picked up my brother-in-law from the airport. So she was like 10 minutes away from the airport. She didn't hesitate, turned around, came, got us, uh, took us out to eat. I got a hotel. She helped me book an Uber, which I had never done before, and uh, pre-reserve a car for the next morning at 4.30. And we had a perfect flying day the next morning, which was Tuesday at this point. And uh, that was my story at the airport, which we kind of mentioned. But I had never had a panic attack or feeling like that at all. So it was kind of weird. Do you just not like flying? Like what happened? I don't like flying at all. And I think that the 12 hours in the airport and the stress of that, they were running out of food. So brain didn't really have many options to eat. And uh, I had a really difficult day Sunday uh, with my mom. And I think the combination of the two of those two days put together, just kind of, I was already stressed and at that moment. And I just, all my defenses were, or whatever walls I built up just came crumbling down. And I, I had thoughts of rebooking the flight before I got on the plane and Bray, I'm like, Brayden, what do you want to do? And he's like, I just want to go home. So I, I tried overcoming it once we were on the plane. And then they said again that it was going to be four hours. And I saw a flight attendant standing in the back of the plane. And she had not a look. She, her game face was on. Like she knew something was going to happen. Like it was going to be a rough flight. People are, were livid because of the the day was so messed up. And I looked her in the eye and I said, I need you to tell me honestly how bad this flight's going to be. And she said, this flight was really bad. And as we were walking down the gateway to get on the plane, everything inside of me, and it wasn't like I was having a premonition. It was total panic that I just kept thinking I need to get off this plane. Right. It was an ir I want to say it was an irrational fear because I don't know where it was coming from, that something was gonna happen and I had to get Braden off this flight. And he was fine. It was all me. And I just have never felt that hopeless before or helpless before. And uh Braden tried to get me to relax and just he's like, it will be fine. Just sit down, we'll get through this together. And I couldn't, I had to get off that plane. So they, it's just, I don't know. There's so many pieces of that, that like, I don't understand one. Well, that makes two of us. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I've never heard of a flight tripling in duration. Well, you, you couldn't fly at one point during the day, flying out of O'Hare, all southbound, all Southern airports and the entire east coast was shut down they were only taking west coast flights so when they were trying to get this last flight of the day off to get all the 
crew home because it was their home day, they there were still all these storms. So we had to fly west, go south, fly around the storms in the south, fly into the Atlantic and back westward into Baltimore to land. That's insane. It was absolutely insane. And all this stuff, and there was a guy sitting behind me during the four hours that we were stuck on the runway who was a Long Islander who was screaming and swearing and punching the side of the plane for the entire time. It was just, it was an airport experience that I've only heard stories about. I've never experienced anything as chaotic and like people just had no patience, no respect. There was 150 people on our flight and this guy was like, so self-absorbed. So that was making me really angry. And by the time nine o'clock, we were supposed to board at 735. But our pilots who were flying our leg home were still in the sky during a holding pattern because they had no gates to put the plane in because no flights had left. It was an absolute nightmare. And by time nine o'clock came around, (laughs) we got to go, Braden, get off this plane. And I I cried in the middle of Terminal 5. I was sitting on a bench crying, looking at my kid, helpless. I'm like, Brayden, I have no idea what to do right now. And then, of course, like on top of everything, now my only thoughts are how weak I just looked in front of my kid. And my own issue, right? I don't think Brayden was thinking of me as like I'm the biggest wimp in the world, like Braden is very aware of my uh, PTSD history and some emotional things that I've been going through. So I, I don't think he looked at me like I was this big wuss, but as a dad being that weak in front of my kid was gut wrenching. Uh, I mean, I think once you have time to think about it, you'll see that you taught him strength to get himself out of situations that you're not comfortable with. Yeah, and that it's and okay so, to be vulnerable in front yeah, of anybody. So, so many people, I bet you close to 50, 60 people have like reached out to be like, it's not a moment of weakness and exactly what you're saying, that it's, I'm teaching him that it's okay to have those emotions and to recognize it and to sometimes need to ask someone for help, that kind of stuff. And I, I'm, I'm getting there, but to me, uh, I'm not as aware of things that I, I, I should be. So to me, it's still a lot of, um, it's really hard to deal with being that weak in front of my kid. Right. And, and it's slowly becoming less and I'm, I'm slowly yeah. seeing the other side and people have told me I, I, I shouldn't feel that way, but I can't just turn it off, but I'm making that adjustment. And um, so Farrakh is like, you like, she's like, you know, it's time that you need to go to a therapist. Yeah. 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 And and I'm there. So uh, I've been, uh, I wrote the guy an email. I I haven't heard back. It's the holiday. So I didn't really expect uh, the hair back. So I'm already pretty nervous about our Israel flight. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that getting some some help for sure 
for many reasons, right? I mean, just to deal with the PTSD, to help yeah, it, that flight, you know, your perspective on yourself, right? You're, you're pretty hard on yourself. So, yeah, yeah. you so, know, and like there's a lot of reasons and it's only taken me 27 weeks <laughs> to hear you say that. So I feel yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. So, you know, Pete, Pete crushes it and Dave slides a little bit, no. a little bit down the hill. But uh, no, it was no, a no, great learning experience. Yeah. And uh, I'm thankful that it worked out. Like, I, I I had no idea my sister was picking up my brother-in-law. I knew he was out of town. And uh, she was a huge help. She saved the day. She took Bray to get some food. Like, Chipotle is our go-to. Like, we know he can eat there, not get sick. And uh, I was still a little shook. So, um she has been she, she she's a rabbi so she's been in crisis counseling and like able to give crisis counseling and all that stuff uh, so she was super helpful to me she got me hooked up with the uber and the next day we had a flawless flying experience it took an hour and 15 minutes to get home perfect weather and uh then it was just a rough week over that well we'll go back i mean we'll get to that in a second because i think there's a couple of things to unpack one is that everything happens for a reason right like there was a reason that that all happened and now you just Mm -hmm. have to find it right yep yep the other piece of that uh i want to bring up or a couple more pieces one i've never heard a flight attendant tell a passenger that things are not good and i would i would ask southwest if anybody's listening to retrain your people not to say that. Well, I that's think a, that's a terrible response to somebody. I, but I don't think she's wrong for telling me honestly. Oh, she's that absolutely it wrong for that. It's going to be a turbulent flight. No, no, you said that. She said it's going to be an awful flight. Yeah, that's <laughs> bad. Like turbulent, turbulent, turbulent is fine. Yeah, we're going to hit a lot of turbulence. But you know what? These planes are made to go through it. The pilots have are you know have yeah, yeah. fifty years of experience. <laughs> I'm not worried, blah, 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 right? Like you, you're not, you're, you should be trained not to do that. And I understand everybody's human, but that's not a great, that's not a great response. And I have a great friend who's a Southwest pilot. And I always think of him and uh, someone told me, maybe I saw it in a movie, but no planes ever crash from turbulence. So I always try and remember that. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it's always stuck in my head because I hate flying. With a passion, I hate flying, and I couldn't even think of that. All I can think of is I need to get off this plane. Like, true fear is what I I, was experiencing. I I get that. I mean, I really do. I'll get to my story in a second. The last piece I want to bring up, though, is the fact that you didn't take that opportunity to try to escape via Tito's. So that is a, or Malort cause you were in Chicago. So, yeah, cause, and, and you know what? I thought about it. Here's how I got through the week. I had, I had a really hard time with the visit from my mother. And I'm like, if I didn't drink through that, I'm not drinking through this because if I went down that pipe with Braden and Braden even said to me, you like, you can go get a cup. Like you can go have a glass. Like he just, he knew I was there. And I, I, that wouldn't have been the answer in the moment. Like I had enough rash, like still rational thinking that 
it wouldn't have made anything better. It probably would have made it worse. And I'm not breaking today. Like I, I, I know I had that thought. And then like I had been in the airport for 12 hours. Like if I didn't have the drink coming off four hours on the runway, listening to this Long Island dude screaming and punching the plane, that was enough to get me through the next delay. And once I got to the next delay, if I didn't break for that, I'm not breaking now. And then it just kept building. And they always say, you're not, you can't, I don't need to get through next week. I just need to get through the next hour. And that next hour turned into another day. And then the next day it got better. And then I had a crappy week at work. And then when I was at work where I would come home and pour a glass of Tito's, sit on the deck, if I didn't break for the airplane disaster, I'm not breaking at work. And then when Ferka had her accident, if I didn't break for this whole week, I'm not breaking now. And now today is easy. And we uh, we were supposed to go out to a, um, a bar with friends the other night. And I already had my plan in place of what I was going to drink and what I was going to do. So it does like I, I wouldn't have to worry about it there. But if I didn't break that one day, in my mind, I, it helped me reset for the next uh, phase, if you will. Sure. I mean, it, I think it's a pretty big deal to get through things like that, not lean on your crutch. I mean, yeah, I, I, I could tell you I would have eaten everything because my thing <laughs> is food, right? Like, yeah, I would have just eaten massive amounts of really crappy food. I wish the airport. We were at Terminal Five. Have you ever been to Terminal Five? When at I O'Hare, flown international, yeah. It's brutal. Like I've never experienced that before. And uh, where we were by the M gates, they only had three little, um, uh, whatever the word is, like three little restaurants. And they were running out of food because there's so many people there that couldn't get out and then were stuck. It was crazy. So uh, just a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I get the flying thing. I'm I, Flying is not my favorite i i mean like i'm not i'm not worried about crashing or or something like that's not in my mind because that's super super rare yeah, yeah it's more i'm trapped in a tube right like oh. so it's the claustrophobic feeling and that got exacerbated many 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 years ago when i was on a southwest flight but at midway and we went up and almost had to dive back down to the runway because ice got on the wings Mm. and the two gentlemen sitting next to me were twin brothers and they made us look in shape. They were <laughs> very, very big boys and they freaked out and wouldn't move. And I was at that time, I didn't fly only aisle. I, I flew, I was on the window uh-huh. and these two guys wouldn't move. And for whatever reason, with whatever was going on, the air marshal wouldn't let me like climb over seats and get off. So I was trapped. So I no longer will fly on anything but an aisle. And at certain times I need calming. I will never forget when Gretchen and I went to um, Argentina for uh, a trip that, you know, I had had won Mm -hmm. with uh, the wine business. We got on this very, very small plane and we couldn't sit next to each other the way it got booked and i was already flipping out 
the size of this plane. There was like, you couldn't move. We're way in the back. So for me, the problem is I can't control how I like movement. So Mm -hmm. like when we land, I'm on an aisle. I have to stand up immediately. Like I can't stay in that seat. I I at least have to feel like I can move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And the... Gretchen told the, so I was sitting next to other people that were on this trip and told the woman, like, you might have to like scratch his head to calm him down. <laughs> so I have this stranger yeah. like scratching my head to yeah. get me to calm down on this flight. And yeah, I mean, it's, you definitely don't feel, you feel pretty weak in those moments. Right. But the, the fact is it's not an uncommon thing to not love that mode of transportation and have some issues. So yeah, and I'm find ways of dealing with it. Yeah, I'm claustrophobic as it is, and I've had some uh, when I was in the um, fire academy the first time and the second time because I had to go to one in Colorado and one here. Um, I had some claustrophobia issues, so it's not unknown to me. I have a huge fear of heights, which is not unknown to me, but I've always been able to overcome it. Right, like do whatever breathing, like uh, you know, like I knew I could prepare myself. And that's why I never really had a problem flying before. I don't like the like not control of the people. And uh, I just, I had no, whatever defensive defenses that I've used in the past or guards, I, they, they were not there. I was absolutely helpless in the moment. And it probably took, once we got off the plane is when it really hit me and we sat down. It was maybe five minutes or 10 minutes of that. Like, I don't know who to call. Like, I didn't know anything. I, all I did was, all I could do is cry and look at Braden and say, I have no idea what to do right now till like the moment it clicked. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to text my sister and then I'm going to text my buddy Heath who lives in Schomburg. And then I couldn't get past that. And then once she clicked back and said, I'll be there in 10 minutes, it started, it start, then it started turning into, I'm the biggest wuss. I can't believe I was that week in front of Braden. Right. So. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> totally. So, I mean, you get, you have all this happen to you and then yep. it's like, okay, great. Now I get home. And it sounds like now you've got two other big stressors, a bad work week and an accident with Farica. Yeah. So was she like in a car accident or? No, she- no, no, no. Oh. She, um, I mean, you, I'm not trying you ever- to tell you, it's all her business, but just. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm sure she's, it's a good bonding experience between us now, but have you ever stood up too quickly and you just kind of get real dizzy? Yeah. Like every 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah right. That happens all the time. What I think happened is she, I was in the shower. It was like 1230 in the afternoon. She had just woken up and she got out of bed and our bed was right next to the bathroom. And I think she got out of bed too quick and she stepped into the bathroom and just blacked out, fainted. She was out cold before she, as she started to fall, tried to put her head through a wall. And then she hit the ground. So she fainted, long story short. She hit a little like half wall that separates the sink and the toilet. There's like a little yeah. wall. So she hit that. 
And about 10 seconds after she hit the ground, she's like, what just happened? So, and she's got a big shiner and she has a history of anemia. So I thought that, but she's been sleeping a lot. She just fainted. We're going to go to the ER, be safe. It maybe it was her anemia. Uh, so that real quick visit to the ER took about six hours. But uh, so that, you know, chest x-ray, CAT scan, heart labs, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. it all all came back unremarkable, but uh, which means everything's normal, as normal as her and I could be. But she's got a big old, I kept saying, Mick, cut, cut me. Because <laughs> she looks like Rocky Balboa, but uh, so she's great. She was good that afternoon. It was just a, a moment in time and a, a fluke thing that she hit that wall. But so that was a big stressor on the end of the week too. Like what just happened to my wife? And I went right in the paramedic mode. So, well, that, uh, I mean, that's good. Like you've got training and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, the anemia. Obviously, that's definitely something. But I, I mean. I know some people who've had little bouts of vertigo and things like that that have happened and they've fallen. I've fallen myself a couple of times over yeah, the years. So I, I wasn't too worried about it because she woke up so quick and um, the body's fainting is the body's way of regulating something like she is normal. Normally she is a low blood pressure. So maybe she just stood up and the body didn't regulate it quick enough. But, uh, I'm like, and soon, and then her eyes started swelling. I'm like, let's just, let's go air on the side of caution. I took her blood pressure. I tried to take her blood sugar here. I have a glucose meter here. And uh, of course the battery was dead. I'm like, let's just go, let's be safe. At least we'll check your blood, you know, levels yeah. with the anemia. So uh, that took me up to yesterday. <laughs> but rough, rough week at work too, on top of all that. Yeah. You know, Pete, I, I'm not a big person on two week notice, right? So the, usually the person that gives two week notice is checked out. They don't really care anymore because they're leaving in two weeks. And uh, we kind of got into that position and the guy was leaving and he kind of, um, he got his work done, but it may not have been to the best of his ability. So we were just, there's a lot of problems that needed to be solved and could have been avoided, that kind of thing. So it wasn't, it was just a stressful on top of the week that I already had. Like we, you know what, we really shouldn't be dealing with this stuff. And some people were mad and I had to write some emails to try and calm some people down. And, you know, I'm the middle guy. So I'm trying to be the go between the customer and the owner and the owner says something and then you got to reply and then they reply. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just that kind of like, <laughs> well, you're not used to that. I mean, that's, that's a different environment that. for you. Yeah, it is. I'm not used to that at all. Right. Yeah, and I'm, then of course, you know, when I was a paramedic, it was, I made every decision based on my history and experience of five years, 10 years, 15 years. And now I have no experience, no technical knowledge. And I'm trying to like problem solve something in a way that makes multiple people happy. And I'm like, oh, I'm over this. Yeah. Was it stressful in that, like, hey, I don't like this, or stressful, like, I wish I knew more and could figure this out? I wish I knew more. and I could figure it out, but I wish I knew more. Because if someone asked me why this didn't work, I can't tell you why it didn't work, right? I can find out for you. And sometimes people don't want to hear 
that I don't have an answer, but I can find out for you. Oh, uh, well. Right? You know what I mean? Like, that's the- <laughs> and that's tough because I've always been in the position to have the answer. Right? It, and so this was just weird for me because I don't know. And I don't like not knowing. So it's like being a rookie all over again. When you're a rookie on the ambulance, every call, you crap your pants on every call because you just, you only have like this recipe cookbook of how to treat things. You can't, maybe what you see is not really what you're getting. So your experience could be like, hey, maybe this isn't heart related. Maybe this is lung related kind of thing. And I don't have that history to fall back on in my new gig. So it's stressful. Well, I, I mean, I, sorry, I, I don't know if anybody can hear that, but apparently there's somebody at our front door. So Alexa was telling me. Um, anyway, Alexa, stop. Jeez Louise. Um, anyway, the going back to like people don't want to like they don't want to hear like you don't have the answer. Like we all need to get over that. And if you're yeah. one of those people, knock it the F off because <laughs> the best answer you can give somebody. I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, look, I've managed people, processes, businesses, own businesses, right? for a very long time. And the big thing that I've got to get through to people is if you don't know an answer, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Go find it and let people know that's what you're going to do, right? Don't make something up. Don't give a half answer. Just say, look, the best thing for me to do is to go find the right answer for you. So just, you know, give me a few minutes, give me an hour, whatever it's going to take, right? And when people get huffy about that, I just, I, I start trying to make a joke of it. I, I'll start yeah, just saying and, things like, you know, I could just make something up right now. Yeah. And I, that's not going to help either one of us. Right. Like, yeah, so I've, I've gone there in the past, but after the week, the humor didn't, wasn't coming out. The anger was coming out. And of course I, I it didn't, it was my own issue and it, the anger didn't benefit this. It wasn't called for. So trying to suppress that and being like, look, the best answer I can give you right now is I don't know. I'm not the technical person. Yeah. I will find out the answer for you and get back to you. That's yeah. my job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if somebody can't know. accept that, yeah, that's their, that's definitely on them. I mean, you were probably picturing that angry Long Islander, you know, as you're oh, still, yeah. you know, and I, as you're going. And, and we some, know there's perfectly pleasant people on Long Island. Yes. But I had a laugh because we were in the international part of of O'Hare, and he kept screaming he needs to get to Islip, but I thought he was saying Iceland. And I couldn't understand why he wasn't on any of these direct flights to uh, Reykjavik on Iceland Air, but he was going to Islip, Long Island. And once uh, I figured out that he's trying to go to Iceland, then it made me laugh a lot. And of course, Braden's sitting right in front of the guy, right? So every time he punches the plane, he's knocking Braden's seat. So the first thing that I'm thinking of is I'm going to jump over this seat and Chicago is coming out on Long Islander. 
but then I'm going to go to jail, and then Brain's got to figure out how to get in touch with Ferka to bail me out of O'Hare jail. It's always <laughs> tough when your kids are involved, right? I mean, I I probably would have I probably would have said something. So if you didn't, well, other people you're were a better person it. than than me because I would have. I actually now at this age, I wouldn't have said something directly to him. I probably would have just called a flight attendant and said, "Look, this guy's punching your plane. Can you yeah. get him to knock it off?" Like enough. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's 149 other people on the plane. I'm sorry that you're inconvenienced, but so the rest of us, it's not like we're getting on and off the plane. Right. And then then there's only one bathroom on the plane and they kept giving people water. So people are like, stop giving us water, (laughs) right? We only have one bathroom. You can only get up one at a time. It was just a disaster. Now that we're 40 minutes into my crazy week. That's all good. So you get through all of this. You say everything's fine now. I'm calmed down now. I don't know if everything's fine, but I'm calm, rational thinking. I got my cool factor food. That's what I was going to ask about. The food, it's been one week. It's really good. It It is definitely serving the purpose that I wanted it to, is I grab two things and I put it in my lunchbox and I go to work. Right. I don't have to think about it. Uh, I got a bunch of food prep for Farrakhan and I. So when if if I'm taking Braden to football and I'm not home, she's got food. I got food when I come home. It's worked out week one exactly as I hoped. And uh, the food was really good, too. So good. That's that, that's the key that is the food out. being good. So it's satisfying. And yeah. I mean, I definitely have to supplement. I think each meal is only like 400 calories. So it's definitely not enough food for the day, but it's definitely enough food for breakfast and lunch at work. As long as I eat a good dinner, a smart snack. Yeah. And uh, so it it was good. I got another box today, so I'm all set. I've been laying out my, um, I bought some vitamins uh, to take during the week. And I've been laying out my pills to take. So, you know, I'm not missing that. So I feel a little better on that. And uh, it's just been good, right? So that part of it has been good. Yeah. So despite the challenges, you found a way to get into somewhat of a routine for this other piece, these other pieces. I mean, my assumption is you didn't start your September 1 run-walk thing. but Well, you know what happened is... I got an email from the person who said it's going through a thing called True Coach, okay. um, which is like Training Peaks or like a training app. And my name, my email is still attached to when Braden was using that same True Coach with his coach. So she couldn't log me in because it was already used by another coach. So I had to give her another email. So I'm hoping to hear for her today to get that. And um, Braden thankfully goes back to school tomorrow, and I'm doing mornings. So my goal uh, is tomorrow morning is to go and walk before. Whether I get this thing worked out, my butt is getting out the door tomorrow morning. And now that Braden's in school and has a routine, I'm going to set my routine, at least for tomorrow, I can't worry about three weeks from now. I can only worry about the next hour. Tomorrow morning, I want to get out the door, walk, and then come home and make us breakfast, take him to school, and then I'll go to work. 
Yeah, I mean, you do it one day, you do it another day, you do it another day, and eventually it. it becomes a habit, right? That's that's all you can do. I mean, you can't, in, in that you can't run a alert, marathon tomorrow. So No, but I could sign up for it. <laughs> right? Dude, but, we are really good on the keyboard. We can get out a credit card yeah. like nobody's business. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm there. But what I'm really learning is through this, the alcohol thing is, is I cannot the next hour, four hours or day is my focus. I don't care what's next. I can't talk about the habits that I'm going to form three weeks from now. They have to be started with just one single step tomorrow morning. Yeah. I, I mean, I talked a few times about, I'm reading more and more stoic philosophy and one of the big pieces of that, they talk about you can't change what's in the past. Mm-hmm. You can't control what's in the future. So since you can't do anything about those two times, you can't concern yourself with them. Right. So it's it's in the moment, right? And that goes with philosophies like you're talking about, which I'm sure is kind of what they've been talking about in One Year No Beer, which... Mm-hmm. It's similar to the AA philosophy of, you know, one day at a time, one decision at a time, one moment at a time. Um, All these things kind of all come together because whether it's not wanting to take a drink or it's not wanting to overeat at dinner or it's wanting to go take a walk, you can only do those things. You can't Mm -hmm. worry about what's going on in five weeks or six weeks right and in a little bit each day my and we i've been no stranger to uh sharing my feelings on how i don't really i'm not really happy with myself i don't really like myself blah 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 but each day that i color in another day on the calendar is my confidence is slowly coming back and so that's for for a really long time for me to say I want to get out the door and walk tomorrow, I truly believe that I can get out the door tomorrow. Where it's not just saying that I will. Now I I really believe that. And slowly but surely I can feel other than this week, but even through this week, my confidence is coming back that right. I didn't I didn't break Friday, I didn't break Saturday, I didn't break Sunday. So that confidence is I can accomplish these things. And I've really gotten to the point where I didn't think I could accomplish anything. One of the other pieces of Stoic philosophy is to picture kind of worst case scenarios or like what would happen if something went bad, right? Mm-hmm. And it sounds terrible, but it, it can be powerful because you have situations like you're in right now, right? Where things aren't going perfect. How much worse could it have been had you been drinking half a liter of Tito's a night, right? Like Mm -hmm. it could have been way worse because then maybe family life doesn't feel as great. You're waking up tired, more tired and lethargic. You're having crappier dreams. You're whatever it is, right? And then you're even more short-tempered at work or something and things don't go, go your way. So it's, it's these, you know, they're good exercises to think about in terms of like what, what's going on because it's not an easy path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're talking about, I think you have like a, I think it spells out like one year, no beer or something. Yeah. Or, yeah O-Y-N-B. Yeah. So it's got 
days that you color in based on each month, I would assume. And yeah, then- no, it's just a general, uh, it's, uh, it's when I Googled fill in workout calendar, it's all it is. It's just what the month and then like it will be a bubble letter S and then there's three, you know, September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and you just color them in for the year. It's just a general thing, but I do, I color it in every day. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like making a to-do list. Like there's a power in checking something off your list. Yeah. Right. There's a power in that physical piece. And I'm, and I do it a day behind instead of waking up and coloring the day. Like when I woke up today, I colored in yesterday. Right. So I'm not taking credit where I, you, I would normally, I would, "Ah, I got this day, color it in. And then whatever happens, it didn't matter because it's already colored in. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't get filled in until I accomplish the day, which is a new way of thinking for me. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely good because that's like saying I did the five mile run or walk because it was on the calendar before you ever got out the door. Right. Right. So you got to get that accomplishment done. Wow. Well, it's been a heck of a couple of weeks for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for school to start. <laughs> Is Bray? Yeah, Bray's really ready for school to start. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean our our school for all three of the kids started you know a couple weeks ago. I think Lily was first and you know so she Lily's my middle kid and she just works her butt off. Like it's just amazing and we actually went and saw her uh, at they were playing at Kankakee, mm-hmm. which is about an hour 15 from us, give or take, hour 10, hour 15. So we figured, well, it's half the time to get to the games normally, so let's go. And she was going to try to come up that weekend, but she couldn't because she's scheduled for work. And I mean, she's just got this really rich and full life. And watching her do something she loved, though, with the cheer, like, it's just great. Well, I mean, you know that feeling. Every time you probably see Bray throw or yeah, yeah. swim or whatever. And, you know, she's just, you know, it's amazing to see how much she's grown and the strength and the athleticism of these, you know, this cheer team. It's it's unbelievable to me. I mean, my, mm-hmm. my daughter's little. She's only five foot tall. And she's done growing. So she's going to be five foot tall. <laughs> uh, so you would think she'd be a flyer because she's, you know, very thin too, very athletic. And she is so good at doing the base mm-hmm. that other people can do the flying, right? Like she's just inordinately strong um, for uh, for her size. So that was great. Daniel has had a really good start to school and, you know, at college at Bradley. He, I'm not sure... If I updated or not, can't remember like when we learned, when we recorded, but he does not have a roommate. So he's living on his own. Awesome. And yeah, that I was heard, still an unknown the last it? time we talked. Yeah. Yeah. So his, whoever was going to be his roommate decided not to go to Bradley, at least for now. So he'll be for at least the first semester on his own, which he's really been thriving. He says he really likes the classes. Mm-hmm. He's been on top of things. He's proactively messaged me. I've probably talked to him more 
in the past three weeks than I have in the past three years, just because of the way that teenagers kind of go through this up and down, right. With their Mm -hmm. communication. So it's been fantastic to see him kind of find his rhythm and kind of grow. And he even cooked like he went, you know, cause he's only 20 minutes from home. So he went home, yeah. cooked at home, which normally that would mean he put a frozen pizza in the oven, yeah. home run in the greatest frozen pizza there is. You know, um, I can get, I can get home run in at all the, and every yeah. once in a while I sneak a little personal one in. Yeah. Those things are so good. They are by far the best. Uh, and then my wife is sneaking past me. They're going to want you to record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, there's the laugh that everyone misses. That's right. The uh, And then Michaela, you know, she's she's just a happy kid. And today, the reason that the sounds are going off earlier is because she decided today she was going to do a lemonade stand for charity. Awesome. So uh, I'll probably post something about, you know, if you want to donate anything. Um, she do Alex lemonade stand or she pick something on her own. Yeah. On her own. She wanted to do for the local food bank that mm-hmm. I volunteer at. So we're going to do it for the West suburban food pantry. And every, every dollar is, you know, somebody getting some food. So that's, there you go. Never and if I'm not thing. mistaken, today's world charity day. Is it? I think wow. so. How about that? I knew it was labor day but did not know the the second part. So that's even cooler. Uh, but she's, she's doing great. And we went to Sox game yesterday with my brother and uh, sister-in-law and niece. And other than the loss, it was still a lot of fun. Big you lines. Know, I, so talk about running out of food. They were running out of food because they're not used to big crowds. So. <laughs> yeah. I saw a picture. I don't know why it came up on my Facebook. But it had to have been circa 1985 to 89. So they had the striped uniform. Greg Lezinski, Ron Kittle, and Harold Baines were in the picture. Beautiful. And it just it took me right back. It maybe maybe it was even earlier than that, but it took me right back to my childhood of why I grew up watching the Sox versus the Cubs. Because in no that early eighties, they were so much better than the Cubs. Uh, they were fun. And Rod Kittle was 1983 rookie of the year. I think I yeah. mean, just a lot of fun. Um, win and ugly era. Yeah. Yeah. Chet uh, Lemon, Claudel Washington, right? Those were, that was the team back in the day. Yeah. They were, they were a lot of fun. Harold Baines. Uh, I'll tell you that guy, he, he, he almost died, had like a multiple organ transplant. To, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know he's from, uh, he's a Baltimore kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tillman Island, which is on the the shore, but he's local here. So he's like a hero out here. Yeah. His number is retired at Comiskey. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it Comiskey. Uh, But it was, you know, it's just a lot of fun to, to be, to be there. And for me, it was good because I was coming off. I ran 12 miles in the morning and then Mm -hmm. went to the game. I couldn't have done that, you know, 20 weeks ago, 15 yeah. weeks ago. Did you ever get so, your 18 in? I did. So I'll go through kind of the two week catch up. Uh, look, the, the weather I can, I just told my coach yesterday, once the weather gets decent, I don't, I'm going to have to find a new thing to complain about <laughs> because I've got to have something to, 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 to bitch about. The 18 miler was awful. It was sunny, hot, and very muggy. 
dew point was in the high 60s. Maybe, you know what, that day it might have actually been in the 70s. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where I went out and I felt okay. But it just got to the point where I couldn't go. And I didn't know what to do. Like I, I felt defeated for the first time in this training cycle, like to the point where I'm like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. Running's mm -hmm. dumb. Distance <laughs> running is even stupider. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to have, I'm not going to be able to do 26 miles, not in this stuff. And I darn near stopped that run completely I did text back and forth with Holly Ann, um, some with Kevin and, um, and with Gretchen and, you know, with Holly Ann, we just decided I'd walk. And so I walked and I, I went the 18 miles. I walked over half of it. I walked the last six miles completely. Mm -hmm. And with the run walk, ratio because I changed to a run walk at this point. Like I just can't in this weather continuously run. So it, it was just awful. I, I don't know any other way to put it. Like I, I didn't want to do it. It was terrible. Was it, was it just as awful when you finished it? Yes, it was worse. Or I, I didn't feel like I accomplished anything. So similar okay. to kind of what you were talking about earlier, right? Like we get these things in our head. Like I felt like a failure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, if I can't do this now, how am I going to do it in at the time six weeks, right? Right. And they're not apples to apples. It might be. I mean, if it, I think that it was sunny. I think that the feels like was up to about eighty nine or ninety, and the you know the dew point was in that seventy range. Mm -hmm. I, I think they would have flagged the race. I I, I don't even know if they would have continued that race. Like yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, right. So I have to stop thinking about like, okay, I'm doing terribly. I feel terrible in this weather. Part of it irks me, right? Just because I'm not adapting like the way that I used to. And I see others accomplishing things in this weather at the right paces and crushing it. And you can't compare yourself, right? Like I'm at a different point now. I'm 51, overweight, diabetic. I, I just got to you find yourself that. comparing yourself to younger people? Some for sure, but also older people. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm watching some older people just get out there and, and absolutely crush it and to and to past Pete, right? Like <laughs> I look at what I did four years ago and I'm like, well, why can't I do that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're four years older, you're 30 pounds heavier, you're now full on diabetic. Like it's okay to not be great. Right. And I had changed to run walk. That's why I, I think I got so hard on myself. Like I did mm -hmm. that as, as a run walk and I'm like, I can't believe I can't even do that. Right. In the end, I finished 18 miles. I had a four and a half hours or whatever it was on my feet. And I can't worry about the fact that I would have missed a cutoff time Yeah, at Chicago because it wasn't the race. It wasn't Chicago. It didn't matter. Right. It was, a training run. So what I decided to do is shake it off. And the good news was maybe because of all the walking, my legs felt pretty much fine because we got on a plane the next day to um, Georgia because 
Gretchen had worked her, she hasn't, there's an office in Alpharetta where some of her team is. And I'm like, well, I want to tag along because you know, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're going to get a weather break in August in Georgia that in the Atlanta area, that's where it's going to be not hot and humid. So I got on the plane, felt fine. Um, but didn't know really what I was going to do, you know, like down there I did in the, during the 18 miler, my, my shoes gave out, like they have tears on them and stuff now. So I'm there. I dropped Gretchen off at work. I'm like, okay, I'll go walk around this plaza that's next to me and go find something to eat. Found this Chinese place that, uh, looks good. Plop <laughs> down in there and walk out. And right next door is a, a running store, yeah. big peach running company. And I'm well, like, well, go there. I'm like, I got to go there. <laughs> I wasn't really intending on buying shoes. I had brought my other pair of ultras with me and I didn't have long enough runs for it to, to matter. And so I'm like, well, might as well. Oh, of course you walk in and you know, I meet Heather and she was fantastic. And of course she's from Buffalo Grove. So Chicago area nice. person, right? Yeah. And she's like, Oh, and I can't, unfortunately I can't remember the other, uh, great, uh, person there but her what what her name was but she's like oh she's from Deerfield <laughs> I'm like oh yeah I, yeah I worked in Highland Park and so you know we're all comparing notes and talking about running Chicago and they're giving me their take on running Chicago and how great it is and you know just their little hints of what they found over the years and I'm like you know I might as well try on some shoes here's what I normally do and she's like okay well here's the new ones and uh the Torin, whatever the new Torins are, six or whatever, they just did not, they didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, you know, these don't feel great. And she's like, you know, she filmed me running. She's like, I think these shoes would be better from Ultra. So she, so she gave me a pair of Ultra Paradigm to try. And those are pretty cushy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of how I figure Hoka's probably feel. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, I, I, I like this. Man, might as well. Yeah. So I got room in the suitcase. Might as well buy the shoes. So I went ahead and did that. And on Tuesday, I went for my run and felt pretty, pretty good, even though it was very warm and, you know, mm-hmm. humidity. But I, they had told me about a path to go run at. I didn't make it to the path that Anthony from Two Gomers told me to go to just because it was a little far for me to get to back and forth. So I did that. And then I felt decent coming out of that run, you know, but still not great. Just not adapting. Then I psyched myself out. I'm like, I do not. So I had a hard workout. Then the next day I was supposed to do a mile and a half and then 25 minutes at tempo or threshold pace and then mile and a half cooldown. And I'm like, you know what? I do not want to do this. It just sounds terrible. Yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I didn't. And <laughs> instead went to the uh, Carter library and museum because I love history. Yeah. So I walked around the Carter center history museum library thing for hours. 
Awesome. And then went ahead and did the tempo run the next or did a run the next day. Boy, maybe I'm mixing all these up. I can't remember. Anyway, I did a run, came back. I I, I kind of hit paces mm-hmm. since like my freak out. And most runs have been okay to good. Sort of. I mean, not not awesome, but the effort feels more in line, even though it's it's still not great outside. And then yesterday's 12 was pretty good. I was super consistent on my like miles mm-hmm. overall. And I felt like I got into a better rhythm. And maybe it was because it was 12 miles, not 18. Maybe I maybe there's a mental block there. We'll find out in a couple of weeks when I have to do 20. Uh but I felt pretty good coming coming out of it. Where are you at if Chicago wasn't lurking five weeks from now what's your feeling on running just in general oh i i so i've thought about post marathon like what i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. because i i definitely am over long runs for now yeah but i really like that three to eight mile maybe even up to 10 mile right so that's what i'm like do you feel like that love that love of running is back if you just hey I, you know what maybe I'll just do two today maybe I'll do three like a a three a two to five consistently not living by a calendar because I think the calendar ruins a lot of people too you know I actually I'm kind of the opposite one really? I don't love running I, okay I, I, I don't I like what running allows me to feel like and do okay. But I don't really love running itself. Like if it was up to me, I would rather walk and hike gotcha. for hours. Gotcha. Than, because running is just so much more taxing for me at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, some of it might have something to do with weight, right? Like I, it, it could. Uh, but I need that calendar. So like coming out of this, I'm thinking to myself, I think I still want to continue with four days a week. Mm-hmm. 20 to 30 miles as much as I can right after a, a, a small rest. The other piece of that is I'm going to go help. Well, I don't know if I'll be helpful. I'm going <laughs> to go and try to be helpful, but definitely encourage Rob in his hundred mile effort, you know, four weeks after uh-huh. Chicago's done. And that's booked. I'm, I will be in West Virginia regardless. Um, of what I could do, whether it's crew or pace or mm-hmm. stand there and just clap my hands like an idiot. <laughs> I, I will be there and I'm looking forward to that hiking. Right. But the, the new shoes were definitely good. The seeds of doubt have receded a little bit. Good. But we're still not, I have a race next week. Maybe that'll help. So yeah. I, uh, 13, I got 13.1 in Flossmore. So yeah. The hidden gem, and they've got a three-hour cutoff. I'm pretty confident I'll beat that. I would have definitely beat that this week. You know, I was about a twelve fifty, twelve fifty-one pace, I think mm-hmm. overall. So that that is good. Uh, I would have been like twelve forty-eight, twelve fifty, something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. two forty-eight, two fifty for the total time out there. 
if it was 13.1. So, you know, from that perspective, I feel okay. My eating is still, it's not great. I'm still trying to find the right fuel combination for the runs. I'm not drinking really often. Mm-hmm. Like I might have one here or there, but it's never more than one really at this point. I had, we had some really good food out in Virginia. I mean, Virginia, Atlanta. Georgia, uh, some surprisingly really like just really good mm-hmm. food. And I had one drink at each of the dinner places basically that we went to and it was worth it. The only thing I'll say about I've spent time in Atlanta before, but mostly always for work. So mm-hmm. I really didn't get out much. They overall were not my the friendliest people I've met. Interesting. But do you, you think know, that's because Atlanta is such a... Uh... I mean, we were in Alpharetta. So yeah. we were, I think that's north of Atlanta. Uh, I mean, like everybody was nice, like when we went to businesses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like here, here's an example: the trail or path or whatever you want to call it. I was running on Greenway Trail or something. I can't remember exactly. Oh, the East Coast Greenway. I, I don't know. Oh. Um, I mean, we're not on the East Coast there, so I, I'm not sure. I think it might have just been called their Greenway Trail or something. Okay. But but either way, it's in Alpharetta. Goes through a couple of different communities. It's paved. So it is shared by runners, walkers, and bikers. I really feel bad for the bikers in that area because about 95% of them are mute. (laughs) They cannot speak, apparently. They also can't afford a a simple bell or something for their bike. So you know that they're coming by you at 30 miles an hour (laughs) and missing you by half an inch. Yep. And I know somebody will get mad, you know, well, you, you know, you runners, I don't care. You're <laughs> the one that's going to kill somebody, maybe yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've watched it happen once. So I'm more paranoid about it because I did see a fatal accident with a bike and a pedestrian. Um, but just speak up. I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah. On your and left. It's unbelievable. Like just how, and then they like would get mad. Like I saw a couple of them like get mad at people. Yeah. You know, like, like, what, what are you mad about? Like, you're out of your exercise. Like, what are you, what are you, a pro? Like, <laughs> we're in your way? Like, yeah. come on. Like, relax. We get so, that here when the tour, Tour de France is on, and all, like, the local cyclists want to be, get out in their group Pelotons and their outfits, you know, and they're, like, four wide on a one-lane road, and then, like, you can't pass them, and they're, like, giving you the finger, you owe me three feet. I'm like, well, ride in a single file line the way you're supposed to, and I'll give you three feet, right? Yeah. I have a ton of friends that are cyclists. And uh, so I, I'm about, you know, the three feet and all that stuff, but it's a two way street. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I love cycling, and I mean, I, I know a ton of cyclists, right? And, yeah. and you know, you just got to be conscious of it. But I mean, these were some, for whatever reason, maybe it was the time of day I was out there, these were some hardcore people overall yeah. <laughs> the ones that were not mute were the you know nice people yeah, probably their, my age their, a little uh, bit older with the basket for, and the beach bike <laughs> you, you know well, there's a couple of them out there that were they were definitely into it but they were on your left three of us yeah. great 
Perfect. You know, that's the way it goes, right? Like, yeah. and I'm, I will step off the trail if it helps. Oh, like, for sure. I, I don't care. I just need to know you're coming. And Let, oh, oftentimes I will give them like with the, I hear an on your left, like I'll raise my thumb. Like, oh, absolutely. Acknowledge. And as I'm moving over, like, so they yeah. know that I got them too. Yeah. I, I acknowledge every time somebody says it because otherwise, how do they know? Right. Yeah. Um, so and it yeah. bothers me when people don't at least give you a head nod. If you're running down the or walking and they're on the opposite side of the road, right? And I, I'd like to say hi to everyone or just give them a head nod. And when you don't get it back, I get really butthurt, right? Yeah. If you don't wave back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was not a lot of there was not a lot of uh, reciprocation on the high because I say hi to everybody too. Yeah. yeah. Um at least I try to like at least acknowledge the big fat guy running down the street. Like, give me a wave, right? <laughs> Pete smash. <laughs> yeah. That's, you gotta, yeah. So anyway, it. I think I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm doing some things for myself. I I'm working on some things. Um, you know, I'm trying to get this sage. I don't know if I've mentioned it on here, but I'm trying to get this blog site called the sage society going and basically it's going to be for people that are 40 plus trying like that want to share their kind of knowledge wisdom thoughts Mm -hmm. i just i i'm having trouble finding people to relate to in in what i'm reading and i know a lot of people that have a lot of really good things to say and i'd like to like to read them. And I like blogs still. I like reading yeah. short things. So I'm trying to get that going. I, I'm not, it's not, I just can't get it cooked the way that I want to structure mm-hmm. the way I want to. So I'm working on that. And then just in kind of self-improvement, I'm, I'm taking a Google certification course in data analytics. So something that I actually enjoy. Cool. I like education. I like learning and I like data a lot and figure, you know, there's a couple of places I could use some more help or brush up and a certification mm-hmm. might not help when, you know, I have to actually get a, an actual job and not just <laughs> continue to say I work for myself. So I retired. So, hey, that's much more exciting than my uh, week of panic attacks and <laughs> self-loathing and warmth I, and feelings of helplessness. <laughs> look, I think that there's something to be said of constantly searching to improve yourself. Like, if that happened to you and you were like, look, I stayed in Chicago, I put Bray on a plane by himself <laughs> and I'm wallowing in self-pity in my boxers and on my fifth handle of Tito's, yeah. that's a problem. Well, here's what I right? Here's what I recognized the other day. And I do feel like I'm uh, making strides for the better. But I said something to Braden about I hope not to be or I don't want to be the same person eight years from now. And he didn't get what I was talking about. And I said, I want to be someone that you'll be proud of again. And then I said, you know what? Take that back. I want to be someone who I'm proud of again. And and it really was like all this stuff I've been going through and I promise you 100% when we started this podcast together, I did not think I was going down the road that I've been on the last 
five months that um, it really has been. I probably should pay you 150 bucks an hour for my <laughs> therapy sessions, but I'm definitely not the person. And it, it's been uh, some rough roads, but I'm definitely not the same person than when we started this. And I and I'm beginning to see that that's a really good thing as well. Yeah. Life isn't always about what we want it to be because it tends to find a way to hand us what we need it to be. <laughs> and that's what's happened here. Right. Like, yeah. And, and that's not just you. That's me too. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I look at others and what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish people that I know. And I point to them as inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Your willingness to at least admit at this point, right? Like I, I, I truly hope you do find somebody you can work with from a therapy therapist kind of perspective, mm-hmm. because I think it will help you, but your willingness to be honest, be open and just go, look, I'm, I'm flawed and it sucks. And I don't like myself. Yeah. That's going to help somebody it helps me it it's going to help other people it's huge right and there's always ways to go forward you just got to figure out what the path is supposed to be for you right you know and sometimes you can find people sometimes you do it on a podcast with 27 people that listen (laughs) Right. And, and some of them threatening you that if you don't put out a show this week. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I look, I mean, honestly, I'm sure you have, have them in your life too. So I'll, I, I want to call it two things that have kind of gotten me lately. People that I know, right. Mm-hmm. My friend Dana has decided, and, and she's somebody who I've talked about for years. I've talked about health things with. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, um, her husband, Dan is uh, a good, you know, so they're very good friends of ours. I've actually also worked with and for Dan, uh, in the past, but Dana is just somebody who there's just something about her. Like you trust her the minute you meet her. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know how the, what it is sure. like, meet somebody like that. And she's a great listener and she's decided to get certified in health coaching, right. right. Through, I think mind body green is what it's called, but it's, uh-huh. it's eventually to sit for the certification that the national board mm-hmm. does. Right. And so she right now is looking for people to help her like reach these certifications. Right. So you have to do coaching sessions with people, record them, get them evaluated. And I think for the most part, she has to do that with people like you don't know. Right. right? Like, so it stinks because I'm going, oh, I would, yeah, like yeah. I trust Dana. I would she'd love. probably foaming to. listening to me like, David, call me. <laughs> well, I mean, it, she's looking for people right now. So if anybody's yeah. interested in that kind of thing, reach out to me because I'm more than happy to put you in touch with Dana because she's definitely a person that I would do that with mm-hmm. um, just because of who she is, the trust factor, her her way of approaching things is just always good. Like, even if she's asking, like, you know, questioning you about like what you're doing, it's always in a, in a way that just comes across great. So Mm -hmm. like, I look at her and I'm like, why not? 
become a health coach. Yeah. You know, now if that's what your passion is. And at the same time, I'm looking at our friend Bill Burke, who's 80, walking across Spain 600 miles on his own in the Camino de, Sa- Camino de Santiago. And I've posted about Bill. I've posted his link, 8summits, 8summits.com. The, like, I, I'm foaming at the mouth for that. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to do that so badly. And I want to be a, I'm not saying I want to do it at 80. I want to be able to have the option to yeah. do it at 80. And if I don't fix myself at 51, there's no chance that it's going to work yeah. at 80, right? Well, you know, and it's funny, like, because I, the alchemy, uh, the thing you're talking about that's not going to come rolling off my tongue right now. Camino de Santiago is what he's doing. Farrakh and I have watched a gazillion videos of people who have documented their journeys. And then there's the one, uh, talk about being a keyboard warrior the El Camino de la Vaca in Texas that Scotty did. Yeah. I signed up. I signed up for that twice. Cause I think that's the coolest thing in the world. That one. And I, yeah. I never, I don't know if he still does it, but uh, I think that walk, I'm definitely going to follow this guy in the eight summits. That is amazing. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it is. Um, he, he's, documenting it really well he blogs about it every you know few days he just went over 100 miles it's a 600 mile journey the way he's yeah. doing it um he he posts videos like on on facebook so if you follow his eight summits page he's posting quite a bit of pictures and mm-hmm. he and bill's just one of those guys again like you meet him and he scotty does this right you feel like you're the only person in the room, whether there's whether it's one-on-one with Scott or somebody like Bill, or there's 500 surrounding you. When you're talking to them, you feel like you're the only one. They're genuinely interested in you. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that genuineness, people just gravitate towards Bill. So I'm sure he's meeting just a ton of other pilgrims and other yeah. people on this trip. And I'm a little behind in reading his blogs, but I, I've been watching and, and see the pictures. It's unbelievable. So yeah, I've been watching a guy, I think I'll have to look his name. He's a former Royal Marine and he is walking um, the perimeter of, I don't think it's just of great Britain. And he's got a, a Instagram page, and I'm trying to look it up. The Walking Warrior, I think it's called. Oh, nice. And he he posts like 10 pictures a day on his Instagram, and he's walked like maybe like 60% of the perimeter of Great Britain, and it's fascinating to watch. Wow. So on that level of the uh, eight summits. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fantastic, right? So, you know, I I really think that we both have a lot of work to do, but (laughs) you know, we're we're trying. We're getting there. That's that's what matters. I mean, if you give up, that's where the. I think the show would be really boring if we just both conquered, crushed our twenty miles, twenty milers, and all we talked about was birthday cake goo. (laughs) Dude, we can we can. I really hope I crush my 20 miler and we could just talk about you. Yeah. That, well, that would be great. 
maybe I'll finally have something positive to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's, yeah, I guess that's it this week. I think that's all I got. Yeah. We have answered the people's requests. Yeah. Well, an hour and 20 minutes later, people yeah. are just, if you made it this far, congrats or, you know, more, <laughs> I'm sorry, I guess. That's, that's the best I can do. All right. I guess we're going to wrap her up. That's it, bro. All right. You've been listening to episode 157 of the Fat Man Chronicles, FMC Run Chicago Chapter 27. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. You can reach Dave and I on social anytime. We're, Dave's really active. I'm there. <laughs> Uh, but feel free to reach out on the FMC page, the Fat Man Chronicles page, or to either of us individually. If you're broken or know somebody who is, tell them, you know, they're not alone. Come on for the ride with us. <laughs> Share the show. Throw up, a, you know, a rating or review. And that's about it. Other than that, everyone get out there and be better today. Yeah.